Inequality is rampant through publishing at every stage. An author can't even get their manuscript or their proposal on the desk of a publisher unless they have an agent. And getting an agent is really about you know, who you know. Do you have a big following? Are you connected that you know, you'd be able to even get your manuscript or your proposal to an agent in the first place? So that access right there limits so many people getting to be seen by publishers, especially black and brown people, especially people who've been historically disenfranchised or marginalized. And then, okay, so you get to the publisher and they love your book and they decide that they want to publish your book, but then the pay is so extraordinarily unequal. And the publishing paid me hashtag that launched in 2020 by two YA writers of color to expose or just make transparent their deals really showed us the inequality that exists in contracts where a black writer with a, even a big platform, even with a big following might be getting three, five, 10 times less than a white author that isn't equal at all in terms of audience. So being transparent is really important to correcting the inequality, but it exists everywhere. Just like white supremacy exists everywhere. It's pervasive and there's no reason that publishing would be immune to that. I'm your host, Michelle King, joined by Kelly Thompson, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. Before we start, just a quick announcement to let you all know that my firm, RPC, in partnership with Equality Forward and with support from Spotify, Coca-Cola Euro-Pacific Partners, Design It, The Economist Group and the Wealthy Her Women's Network will be hosting Reimagine on the 24th of September. Reimagine is a one-day virtual global summit showcasing new and ambitious business strategies for tackling the world's biggest challenges. Reimagine will highlight the central role of businesses in achieving the UN Sustainable Development Goals and will showcase the latest innovations, ideas and approaches for sustainable development now and in the future. Reimagine includes six themed hours covering equality, sustainability, inclusive innovation, financial empowerment, well-being and community and developing the next generation of leaders. The event features world-renowned innovation and design experts, business leaders, entrepreneurs, economists, inclusion specialists, financial and technology experts, social change activists and next generation leaders who will share tools, knowledge and corporate actions to accelerate progress towards a more sustainable world. Reimagine is being held in support of the UN Foundation's Girl Up campaign. And if you'd like to join us for this virtual event, please register today at www.reimagineglobalsummit.com. Okay, now let's get on with today's episode. In the process of selling my first book, I spoke to several editors at major publishing houses. One editor revealed that she was thankful her workplace was not gendered in any way. In that moment, I realized how much we all take inequality for granted at work. This made me determined to find a way to explain how systemic the issue is and how most workplaces don't work for men or women or any individuals who differ from the white male ideal. Even industries that aren't seemingly male dominated. In fact, the publishing industry is a great example of this. 
While women make up a large proportion of employees in the industry, men maintain a hold on positions of power. In 2018, the Government Equalities Office in the United Kingdom reported that while women make up almost two-thirds of the workforce in publishing, men are paid more on average. Reasons cited for this include a higher number of men in senior roles, a higher proportion of women in lower pay brackets, and the higher number of women with flexible work arrangements. These issues could describe just about any industry because nearly all workplaces are gendered. They built by men and for men. But it's not always obvious how this negatively impacts women or men at work from day to day, nor how this plays out differently when we consider the intersecting identities that women have with regards to things like race, sexual orientation, religion, age, physical or mental ability. Inequality in organizations creates inequality within industries, and there is no better example than when it comes to the publishing industry. For example, last year, writers used the hashtag PublishingPaidMe to share their advances on Twitter with the goal of exposing racial pay disparities in publishing. Some white authors disclosed that they had been paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for their debut books. Authors and book publishing employees are speaking out against the homogeneity of their industry and how much writers of color are paid. When organizations support and advance the same types of leaders, these leaders go on to endorse, support, and partner with the same types of people, that is, people who look like them. Joining us on today's episode is Rebecca Boraki, founder and president of Row House Publishing. Row House Publishing is on an incredible mission to support diverse communities within the book publishing industry. And on today's episode, Rebecca will unpack inequality within the publishing industry, and importantly, what we can do to tackle this issue. Inequality is rampant through publishing at every stage. An author can't even get their manuscript or their proposal on the desk of a publisher unless they have an agent. And getting an agent is really about you know, who you know. Do you have a big following? Are you connected that you know, you'd be able to even get your manuscript or your proposal to an agent in the first place? So that access right there limits so many people getting to be seen by publishers, especially black and brown people, especially people who've been historically disenfranchised or more marginalized. And then, okay, so you get to the publisher and they love your book and they decide that they want to publish your book, but then the pay is so extraordinarily unequal. And the publishing paid me hashtag that launched in 2020 by two YA writers of color to expose or just make transparent their deals really showed us the inequality that exists in contracts where a black writer with a, even a big platform, even with a big following might be getting three, five, 10 times less than a white author that isn't equal at all in terms of audience. So being transparent is really important to correcting the inequality, but it exists everywhere. Just like white supremacy exists everywhere. It's pervasive and there's no reason that publishing would be immune to that. In 2016, the bookseller examined the lists of the UK's most established publishing houses and found that there were fewer than 100 books published by authors of colour. In 2021, out of a total of 4,017 authors and illustrators featured across 33 catalogues from the UK's top five publishers and selected independent presses, 2.5% were black British when compared to the overall output. These numbers speak for themselves. The lack of diversity in published works is enraging, but it shouldn't be surprising. 
as Rebecca explains. This is something that is par for the course, especially in America. Black folks have a unique history here with chattel slavery. So it isn't surprising, but that doesn't make it any less horrifying or needing to change. My role as a publisher came about as something that was unplanned. I was an author with one of the largest spiritual and wellness personal development imprints in the world. I published two books with them. I was very happy there. I was treated very well, but I navigate this world as a racially and ethnically ambiguous mixed race woman. So I'm welcome into a lot of spaces that my siblings with darker skin are not welcome into. And being there for the years that I was, I started to notice that I was often the brownest person in the room. And if you know you see me with someone that presents very light or very ambiguous, that's an obvious problem. And when I questioned why that was, the answer from the CEO was, well, you need to understand, Rebecca, that we cater to an affluent audience, which is basically code for we cater to a rich white audience. And that was just unacceptable for me because the community that I aim to serve was not welcome in the spaces where I was. And that's just it's not OK. So finally, after working with them for a couple of years on something called the Diverse Wisdom Initiative, where I was a mentor to recruit black and brown authors into the space, I realized that their intentions weren't as, I'll say, aligned with mine. And they weren't investing the real time, energy, consideration, or money that needed to be invested to make real change. So finally, in October of 2020, I feel like I was forced out, but by my own gut feeling, my own moral compass, I guess, if you will, they didn't tell me to leave, but I had to leave because their policies just weren't changing and they weren't willing to address the disparities that existed. So I left in October, 2020, and I was approached by a friend. I had no intentions of starting my own publishing company. I had a small children's imprint that I was very happy to just keep going and publishing children's books and, and doing something that just felt really fulfilling and fun for me. But then a friend, a former editor of mine, she edited my second book, Managing the Motherlode. She sent me a text message. She's like, hey, why don't you just you know, start your own house? <laughs> and I think that she was probably half joking, but I took it very seriously. I, I thought about it for about you know 12 hours. And then I came back to her and said, yeah, let's, let's do it. And that's how Row House Publishing was born. It wasn't something that I planned. It wasn't something that I dreamed about. But then when given that opportunity, I instantly started to dream about what does a true inclusive, true anti-racist business look like? And being able to build it from the ground up is a beautiful opportunity. And we already see in this short 10 months, we've already seen how magical and how disruptive and how game-changing it can be when your intention is to truly be inclusive. And I say truly inclusive because, you know, we're not checking boxes here. We're from the leadership down. It's diverse, it's intentional, and it's, it's careful. According to a Vox report, on June 8, 2020, around 1,500 employees in the publishing industry declared the day a day of action. Employees submitted a Google document addressed to the CEOs of the top five publishing houses, where they pledged to donate their salaries for a day to organizations fighting for justice for black people. These employees were calling on the industry to reform its exclusionary ways. 
The Vox report states that the Google document, which is now inaccessible, included the following statement. We want more books by black authors, the document said. Too often, the books acquired from black authors are trauma stories. There are other stories that black authors want to tell, and we want the publishing industry to amplify the narratives that don't rest on the trauma of living in a black body. We want more black co-workers and more black co-workers in leadership positions. The voices of junior staff are often more diverse than senior staff, but too easily excluded from the decision-making process. What this quote highlights is the systemic nature of the issue. Inequality within publishing organizations creates inequality within the industry at large. Here, Rebecca shares how Rogue Publishing is tackling the systemic nature of the issue. So you mentioned systems and we're looking at systems in every single aspect of the business, including legal, including funding. Our funding partners, Seed at the Table, is a completely black and brown founded and funded organization. So they're helping us raise money. The way we are raising money is, you know, addresses the systems and the inequity. Instead of going to venture capitalists who are most interested in getting 10 times their money in five years or whatever the figure is, we went to our community. So we have a crowdfunding campaign where we're getting everywhere from $1 donations to $100,000 investments, but it's all from our people. It's all from our community and people that are really showing up to be part of a change in a system. You know, I'm looking at publishing that hasn't changed in a hundred years, but it's inspiring people to take action wherever they are. And, and that's the message too with Row House. We're here as publishers, we're in our lane. And my message to everyone is that you can bring an anti-racist mission, anti-racist principles, wherever you are, whether you are a garbage collector, mail delivery person, you can change systems within your organization or your workplace just by behaving in a different way, by speaking up for people when you see prejudice or oppression. So we're taking care of that in publishing, we hope. And we hope that with our 40-40 split, our 40-40 equitable transparent contracts, which is a $40,000 advance for every single author, regardless of their platform and a 40% royalty, again, regardless of who they are, where they've come from. We hope that that will force the industry to be more transparent in their practices and hopefully pay their authors more fairly. And people might not want to work with us and that's fine too. And I've said this before, a fat black queer woman to walk into any publishing house in New York city and say, Hey, row house over there is given this 40, 40 split. You know, I want that. I want to be with you. I want to be with you, Simon and Schuster or you penguin house, but I would like to get what they're getting because that feels fair. And, you know, just a note on that 40, 40, it's in tribute to 40 acres and a mule, which was a promise uh, to black folks after the civil war by the United States government that was never made good on. So we're still looking for that, that 40 acres and a mule and hope we can do our part at Row House to deliver on that because, you know, the, our government didn't step up. On the 6th of June, the YA author L.L. McKinney, who's black, started the hashtag Publishing Paid Me, calling for authors to reveal the advances they receive for their books. The hope was that in doing so, authors would shed light on the ethnicity pay gap that exists within the industry. But the hashtag Publishing Paid Me revealed a lot more than simply the extent of that pay gap. The stories shared shone a light on the systemic nature of racial inequality with focus on this particular industry, drawing a line from biases in what authors publishers consider, what books they select, what investment they make in marketing those books, 
to the likelihood that those bugs will succeed. Transparency is the key to disrupting a cycle of inequality, and it starts with paying people what they are worth. Value is an interesting word because I believe whiteness, and I'm not going to say white people because there's a difference. There are white people and then there is this idea of whiteness, which is wholly bad. There is nothing good about whiteness because it is an invention that was made to oppress. It is evident in every single area of our lives that black and brown folks have contributed to white people's comfort, their entertainment, their style, their fashion, especially in America. But I think because America influences the world in terms of of culture, it's black culture and brown culture that you're seeing everywhere. So white folks and whiteness feeds on it, craves it, needs it to succeed. Well, you know, we could start with slavery. The United States economy wouldn't exist without slavery. But you listen to the 1619 Project or you've you've read it. You see that everything that we enjoy that's good comes from black and brown culture. So white people value it. They just don't pay for it. And that's a problem. So what we are demanding now is that we get paid. And I think that if you really sit with that for a moment, then reparations becomes part of the conversation too, because what unearned privilege, what unearned value, what unearned enjoyment are you receiving, experiencing, and how do you pay that debt? And that's what reparations and reparative justice and restorative justice is also about. So the value is there and it's recognized. It's just people refusing to pay for it. That's a problem. Given the systemic nature of the issue, it's going to take all of us to solve it, as Rebecca explains. It's so interesting because we talk about solving this issue. And on one hand, I say in America, 1619, 400 plus years now, people that are better than than I, smarter, more resilient, more disciplined, have been working on this issue. And the problem hasn't been solved yet, right? We don't have black liberation and that's the goal. However, we can see what we've gotten wrong and One of the biggest things that I think are getting in our way is ego, this idea of hyper-individualism, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps so we can do it on our own, right? This rugged individualism that we Americans love so much and, and like to champion so much. And the truth is that none of us do anything alone. Even, you know, the rich white folks there, you know, have their trust funds or their legacies or their inherited wealth, whatever. So how do we solve it? We get in community and with this cred state which is kind of a play on this idea of, you know, a neighborhood, these row homes, like a row house that I grew up in where, you know, these working class folks are just taking care of each other. So this street cred, right? You get credibility for, you know, being, you know, having some street knowledge and, and knowing your hood. It stands for community responsibility, equity, and disruption. That community part is first. It is the foundation. So we need to get in community as leaders and we have to drop our egos and listen. So I'm the president of Row House Publishing, uh, but we don't have a hierarchy. It's like a title that I'm not even fully comfortable with. Our real leadership is the the faith investors, our publishing council. And those are four authors of color 
who we have given equity stake to 5% each of the company in exchange for their wisdom and their guidance on that council is Trudy LeBron. And she is a diversity equity and inclusion coach. She is brilliant. And this council under her leadership and guidance is working to create our hiring practices, our company culture, the way we acquire books. I am constantly in self-reflection about my own blind spots. I am a cis, able-bodied, tall, relatively slim, you know, the woman who's walking through this world with a ton of privilege. And I have to acknowledge that I have blind spots because I, I can't have everyone else's experience. So having this council to check me is really important. And then also something that we've done is gotten away with this whole idea of having, you know, non-disparagement clauses and agreements. If you want to tell on us, tell on us. If we do wrong, tell on us. If we're acting inappropriately, tell on us. We hope that you love us enough to come to us directly and speak, but you know, if we're not responsive, go public, cancel us. You know, we welcome that. We welcome the challenge to do better. So I think my advice for companies is get in community, drop your ego, listen to the people that haven't traditionally had a voice. Don't just look to the other leaders or so-called leaders in your company and open your hearts and minds to the idea that maybe you haven't been doing a great job. And if it wasn't your intention to have an anti-racist business from the beginning, rebuilding is imperative even if you are a non-white business, because we all suffer from inner internalized oppression, anti-blackness. We all swim in these racist waters. So we all have to do self-examination. Finally, Rebecca shares one action that every one of us can take to advance equality in publishing and beyond. And accountability is really about shedding light on what's dark. Talk about it. It's that easy. I have so many people coming into my DMs, emailing me every day and sending me some cause or some slight against a group made by another company or person. And, and, and they're like, well, you know, can you say something about this? Can you do something about this? Yes, certainly I can, but also you can, because we all have platforms. Some of our platforms are very large. Some of them are just our immediate family, our local Girl Scout troop, our town council, but we all have platforms and we all need to raise our collective voice to make change. So talk about it. It's that easy. If you see something, say something, call out, call in. I don't care what you call it. <laughs> I know that there's this distinction that's being made on social media, especially about, you know, call out culture and we need calling culture and we need accountability culture. It's really all the same thing. Just say something when you see something wrong. And I promise you that, especially when it comes to money, especially in a capitalist structure that people don't want to look bad. So if you get enough people tweeting about what they're doing, then they're going to want to make a change. And sometimes that change is going to be forced and it's not going to be, you know, the heart of the leader that changes, but that's okay as long as the practices are changing. So yeah, just, just keep talking. We all have a role to play in perpetuating or tackling the inequality we've discussed today. Even if we don't work in publishing, the books we purchase, the content we consume, all either disrupt or contribute to the problems that Rebecca explained. Just take a moment to think about this. 
Do you think, for example, that the New York Times bestseller book list could ever be filled entirely by black authors? Well, to test some of these issues, in 2020, Amistad Publishing, an imprint of HarperCollins, launched a campaign entitled Hashtag Blackout Bestseller List, which encouraged readers to buy books by black authors and push them to the top of bestseller lists. At one point in 2020, the New York Times bestseller list almost exclusively featured books about race and privilege. The Guardian points out that this increase had a ripple effect globally, as in the UK, Rennie Edo Lodge became the first black British author to land the number one spot on the UK's official book charts with her 2017 work, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. The important point, though, is that buying books by black authors shouldn't be a niche practice, like something we only do when we want to unpack our racism. Black authors are diverse, with incredible stories to share that are rich and complex and not solely related to tackling racism and privilege. We need to celebrate all black authors, value their voices, stories and contributions, and fundamentally pay them what they're worth. Before you go, we have an exciting announcement. We, that's Kelly and I, believe that change is the most powerful force for good in the world. And that's why we've created the Changemaker Awards. The awards are an opportunity to celebrate, showcase, and support incredible initiatives that are contributing to a more prosperous, inclusive, and peaceful world. If you're leading a successful corporate responsibility or sustainability initiative, inspiring others to take action or know a visionary individual or nonprofit organization who is, we want to hear about it. The awards are open to any individual or nonprofit organization. Entries can be self-nominated on behalf of another individual or organization. We're particularly interested in submissions that demonstrate partnerships with business partners and how that partnership has helped accelerate success towards achieving the sustainable development goals and had an overall impact on the work. The winners will be announced at the Global Virtual Summit Reimagine on the 24th of September. The winner of the award will receive £3,000 and 50 design hours from the award sponsor, Design It. The two finalists will receive £1,000 each. Apply today at www.reimagineglobalsummit.com. Thank you so much for tuning into our episode today. If you're interested in partnering with us or being a guest on the show, then please reach out through our website, thefixpodcast.org. You can also sign up to our monthly newsletter and contribute your story there. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone, and I'll catch you all again next week.